I think I take too big of a breath sometimes. I can't do it. I just need it. Needs to be my normal voice. You, you, you are now listening to Lower Road Radio. Hey, welcome one and all to the number one podcast, Winter, Spring, and Fall. Talking sports for the thrill of it all. Hey, talking life, but we're killing it all. Jason and Dan with the master plan. These are dangerous men with the mic in the hand. Huh? Four to five winners everywhere that we go. You're a part of the team. Lower Road Radio. Dad life, thug life, bright lights in sight. All right. What? Dad life, thug life, bright lights in sight. All right. Yeah. Dad life, thug life, bright lights in sight. All right. What? Four to five winners everywhere that we go. You're a part of the team. Lower Road Radio. Let's get it. What? At Tanagra, when the walls fell, this is Dan coming at you another time for Lower Road Radio with my co-host, as always, Jason. How are you doing today? Good. I woke up before my alarm clock. Oh, that's... I mean, sometimes that's nice. Today Uh, it was nice because the alarm clock was set for 545. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to record early today. Yeah. And um, I notice when I wake up with my alarm clock, I feel a little drowsy. Right. A little, you know, yeah. fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I woke up at 5.40, like, awake. Mm. I'm like, okay, this is good. I've got things to do today. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm awake. I'm, my sleep has been far better on keto. Mine as well. I, uh, th- this morning, I went to wake up at my, I set my alarm at 5. I was waking up at 5. And I just woke up at 4.30 on my own. Well, that's really, really early. Yeah, it is. But I was awake, and then I just kind of laid there. I was like, well, I could sleep for another 30 minutes, but I didn't really need to. So then I got up at 5. But I feel great. Had my Bulletproof coffee already. I feel wonderful. Fabulous. It's great. I love it. I mean, the keto life mm-hmm. is the way to go. Yeah, already. I hit, hit the Y yesterday. When we get done recording, I'm going to go to the Y again today, do the elliptical, 40 minutes. 45 minutes, maybe. Feel really good. This is exciting. I hit a new uh, hole on my belt. Really? I'm on the, my last hole. So I'm going to have to buy a new belt or drill a new hole. Drill a new hole. No, it's, I'm it's going gonna to. Be Listen. Good. What? Come on. I'm going to drill a new hole. Yeah. But it'd be fun to say I had to buy a new belt because none of my belts fit. I think it's more fun to say that you drilled a new hole. I think that's way more fun. Uh, they're both fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's not fun is buying a new belt the other way. <laughs> yeah. And I've done that too. Walked that road before. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is satisfying. Cause that last hole was like, I'd never hit that hole. Mm-hmm. It was completely clean, mm-hmm. you know, cause my, the two or three that I've fluctuated mm-hmm. are kind of like stretched. Sure. It's not really a hole. It's a, it's like egg shaped. Sure. It's an yeah. oval because mm-hmm. I'm stretching it as tight as it will go. Yeah, right. But that last one is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's, a good, it's like a brand new. It's a good feeling. It's a brand new hole in my belt. <laughs> I'm excited. Me too. Me too. I'm it's excited. good stuff. Um, so, Jason, uh, this year was the first time that the Eastern and Western Conference Finals at the NBA went to seven games I think the first time that both of them went since, I think it was 1979. Yes. Do you think that there is any rigmarole going on to make that happen as far as the NBA saying, okay, these two things could be a sweep. Let's, let's, let's direct the officiating so that we can get these to play out as long as possible. Do you believe that there is – what percentage of a chance do you believe that's possible? 
Well, it, I guess it depends on how you define it because I would say this. I don't think it's league initiated that uh, it's like, hey, guys, listen, here's the deal. Seven games, the whole thing, right? Yeah. I don't think that happens. But I think what happens is from the perspective of the referees, they know what's going on. Yeah. They understand. Like, listen, every time there's a game, you know, game five, game six, game seven, mm-hmm. the NBA is making millions and millions of dollars per game. Yeah. And so there really is probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 million dollars yeah. to add a couple more games. Well, because And because there's that much money, it's not out of the question that Adam Silver would be like, let's do everything we can do to make this go seven games. Well, I, I think the, it's the unspoken thing. I, th- I think the referees know this. Yeah. I don't think they have to be told this. You think the refs get paid more money or you think they get paid by the series whether it goes four or seven? I bet it's per game. If it's per game, then they have a vested interest. Is in- it? I don't think it's the same set of referees the entire series, is it? Do they rotate those out? That's a good question. It seems like watching basketball my entire life, I would know this, but I don't really pay attention to the refs. Well, the best refs are the one that you don't know. Exactly. The moment the referee, like, I know that guy, that means that he is bigger than the game. He's out there trying to... What was that? The uh, bald... White dude. No, what was the guy? He was a Big Ten ref um, in the maybe the 90s. Valentine? Yeah, it was Joe? something. No, no. It wasn't Valentine. I wanted to say it was like, oh, shoot. Now I'm not going to remember his name. It doesn't matter. But Don't we knew who he up. was. Yeah. He was like the one ref that like, oh, no, this guy's ref in the game. He was high pro- And he would do all the high-profile games. So he was like the Big Ten's whatever number one ref for whatever reason but i always remember when he showed up thinking nah, this is not going to be good i i bet i i mean just human nature the referees understand what's going on yeah they do yeah they're not dummies and you don't have to tell them it so going in like you know one team boston had a two two game lead going into cleveland there's a little bit like all right we'll let it kind of We'll kind of go in favor. Or do you feel like maybe it's just the home well, court? I would, well, see, that's the other thing. Home court advantage, the crowd and the energy and all that stuff, I think subconsciously weighs on the reps. Well, they've done studies, uh, like long studies before, and there is no question the home team gets better calls than the away team does. There's right. no question about that. But I don't think it's any shenanigans going on. I just think it's human nature and okay. how people operate. And- so you don't think there was a directive from – Adam Silver to the refs that said, make this thing go as many games as possible. No, I, I really don't think wow. so. And you're, quite, I'm Mr. Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, Mr. Conspiracy Theory. In this case, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Because I, I also think, I'm not sure the NBA knows exactly what they want. Because what if they screw around? Because what if Boston makes it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that story plays as well. Not with Because Kyrie. Kyrie and Gordon Hayward's out and. Yeah. Now, if Kyrie and Hayward were in, then all of a sudden it's like, listen, Boston's the new super team Mm -hmm. compared to, you know, the Golden State, the super team from five years ago. I think they definitely wanted LeBron and Golden State in it again. If if you put a gun to their head, I think that's what they would want. I think the league makes the most amount of money, most viewership, all that stuff with those two teams coming back for the fourth time. Fourth time. Yeah. There in NBA history, there have been like six teams that have made the finals four times in a row. This Cavs team and this Warriors team, the Lakers in the 80s, the um, uh, uh, Celtics in the 80s, the Celtics in the 50s, 
And I think that's it. Oh, and the Heat. LeBron James's Heat did yeah. it too. I think that's the that's the whole list. So LeBron's done it twice. Um, and there, I think there have been six teams that have done it. So it's pretty impressive. I mean, even coming out of the East, it's pretty impressive. The East is really, really bad. I understand. But, I mean, no, it's bad. But he's had to, he's had to battle. I, anyway, we're not going to get it. We, I don't we, think he can come out of the West. I don't. Well, obviously, it depends on what his team was. If this Cavs team was in the West, there's no way he comes out. I feel like if he was playing in the West, he would get a better team. Like it would dictate. Like I'm saying, on this team, there's no way he comes out. Okay, you're probably right. His road mm-hmm. was fairly easy. Listen, we're not going to get into this, okay? Because you know you're wrong. No, just because it feels like we have this discussion. It, this is the thing that draws us in. This is like a what do they call that? Like a there, there's like a space anomaly that like it draws in everything around it. It like is a black hole. Maybe uh, th- there's some sort of spatial anomaly that that, and this is what that does. You've been this, watching Star Trek again, haven't you? I ha- I have been watching a lot of Star Trek, and I don't understand why Beverly Crusher leaves for like two seasons. For like, no, it's like a season. You know, all of a sudden she's gone, and then she comes back, and they don't really mention it. You know, yeah. Like I need my Beverly. You know, that's all I'm saying. Come on. Uh, also, uh, just a little side note on Star Trek. Those of you who are Star Trek fans. Somewhere towards the end of this first season, uh, there's this uh, situation, and Jordy LaForge is, uh, is there, and uh, they're talking to some people, and then the people walk away, and uh, one of the, like, Riker says something along the lines of, like, uh, you know, I don't know if he was telling the truth, and Jordy's like, no, actually, he wasn't telling the truth, because my visor can recognize, you know, uh, anomalies in somebody's skin tone or vision or something like that, and basically, he can tell when somebody is lying. Right. A, whoops, I dropped my pen. A, this never comes up ever again that yeah. Jordan, that Jordy LaForge can tell when somebody is lying. This is a huge, huge asset to have that they never take advantage of again. Of again. B, there are multiple episodes where they're all playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordy LaForge is playing. And, and somehow we're just supposed to, well, you know. Lying in Bluff, bluffing are two different things. You can bluff. It's not lying. I think it. I think for the standpoint of Jordy, because he could look at whatever he can see and you could tell. Well, that maybe he, his his goggles will look through the cards. I also think Deanna Troy shouldn't be able to play poker. She plays too. Okay, listen. This is my biggest beef with the Next Generation crew. Yeah. Is Deanna Troy yeah. the beta zoid who can like read people's minds? Well, she can no, read listen. their emotions. She can't read their thoughts necessarily. Her mom can. Um, she says she can. She can. Okay. But what bothers me is she's the most worthless telepath ever. I feel like they are in distress. Yeah, we can all tell that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I feel no, like they have listen, something to listen, hide. I've been watching. Really? Up. Because I, I think the exact same thing. I don't have any telepathic <laughs> I've powers. been watching a lot of The Next Generation lately, and here's what I've noticed about the Deanna Troy. And I'm just th- I'm through, like, I don't know, halfway through season three. We've been watching it Well, don't tell slowly. her she has telepathic powers if she can't use them. Here's the deal with Deanna Troy. Riker never believes her, and Captain Picard usually does. So, like, if Riker's in charge and Picard's away or something like that, and Deanna gets up, and I've watched this. This has happened multiple times. Deanna gets up and says... Uh, they're, you know, I don't think they're being completely honest. They're, they're hiding something. And Riker gives, us, gives her this look like, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking like, hey, Will, 
This is what she, this is her one job. <laughs> this is the reason she's on the deck. And he looks at her like you're an idiot. Like you know, like get off the get off the deck, and woman. I, I think her title's like ship counselor. Yeah, she's the counselor. She does not do a lot of counseling. She does some counseling. I mean, Guinan does the most. I was counseling. just gonna say Guinan does the most counseling. Guinan's the ship counselor. Obviously, I mean, that's a given. But uh, but but Picard values Deanna Troy. Riker does not. Trust me. She has. A seat of honor. Mm-hmm. She sits like with the captain and yeah. the first officer. And he actually takes her advice. Riker doesn't to his own hurt. Okay. It, it, it bites I him. I feel like that chair could be better used by about anybody else. In I the don't crew. think so. I, I, listen, I've been watching it a lot lately. Okay. And uh, I feel like Deanna Troy um, is, is uh, she's doing just fine. Okay. She's a valuable member of the crew and she should stay on. The... She has zero telepathic powers. I feel like even like no, anybody because there was this one time where these people seemed really stupid and nice, and she was like, "There is animosity in their heart," and everybody on the deck was like, "What you talking about? These people are dumb. These people are." She's like, "No, they're hiding something. They're hiding something." And she was right. And Jordy almost died because of it. And if they would have listened to her from the very beginning, then they wouldn't have been in that situation. So she... I feel like Guinan would be a better ship counselor slash on the bridge. I don't want Guinan on the bridge. I'm going to tell you that right now. I, I need Guinan is better in small doses, not in large doses. Now, large doses of Deanna Troy, yeah, <laughs> she needs to be. She needs to be there. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, okay. For all of the Trekkies out there. All right. Um, Specifically, next generation NBA Finals. Yes. Who wins? Golden State. The Warriors. Five really? games. Five games? Five games. So LeBron gets one of the ones in Cleveland. Yes. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say Warriors in seven. And LeBron wins one in Golden State. Okay. But I just don't think, as much as I love LeBron, and I love him as much as anybody, that team that he's got, <laughs> that team that he's got, Against the Warriors, who seem to be able to turn it on whenever they want. It's like they get bored, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess we'll play for a while. And then they just go nuts. Um, they're really, really good. So I, I think LeBron right now is crafting a game plan, and I think that he's going to play every minute of every game. He, all, he This year, as of now, he's played 550 more minutes than anybody else in the league this season if you count the playoffs. 550, that's 12 games, I think, more minutes than anybody else. And so, um, and so I think he's going to play every minute of every game. He's going to be out there doing his thing. And I think he's going to make it harder on them than, uh, than they, they want it to be. But I think at the end of the day, it's just too much firepower. He, well, when he has to rely on Jeff Green and you know, all of these other dudes that they're throwing out there, like Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr., and, and all it, it, the fact that he has to rely on, upon them – it's just it's just not going to work. Here's what I don't understand. I mean, do you think would they get back from Dwayne Wade? Shouldn't he be on this team? I feel like he would be a valuable member. To well, this team. for whatever reason, he wasn't playing in Cleveland, and the moment he got to Miami, he got in shape. Like he vi- got in visibly better shape and started doing all the things that he used to do. I think Cleveland was just like they were just messing around, and him and LeBron were just having fun. And I just think. He, he just couldn't get it 
I don't know, in gear in Cleveland. But the moment he got to Miami, like everything changed. That's so, what I'm saying. I feel like he could be on this team, but I don't understand. He would be an asset on this team if He'd he was be a playing. Huge asset. If he was playing like he had been played in Miami, but if he was playing like he was playing in Cleveland, then then he's he's a negative because he's he's lost a step athletically. Yeah, but he doesn't have to carry the team. Mm-hmm. That's the whole. Yeah, honestly, early on, and you can say what you want. I will. But early on in Miami, mm-hmm. that was Dwayne Wade's team, and he he carried that team to a large degree. Now LeBron, the first two games, the first two seasons mm-hmm. that they made the finals were primarily Dwayne Wade-led teams. And then the final two, LeBron took that next step in his development. Mm -hmm. Not until LeBron won one did he take that next step. I think from a leadership standpoint, you're right. I think Dwayne Wade is... It was was the the leader of the team, but I think from a basketball athletic standpoint, I mean LeBron was the best player the moment he got on the court. He can jump higher and he can run faster and he can do all those things. Mm-hmm. I'm saying there's so much more to basketball than be able to run and jump. Okay, well we're gonna talk more about this later. Okay, so that's fine. All right, uh, so let's talk about a couple other things first. First of all, uh, did you know that it's baseball season? No. You don't hear about it much on uh, ESPN, but as soon as the finals are over, then they'll be heavy into baseball. And I was sad because earlier today I got on ESPN, worldwide leader in sports, and uh, on the top line of uh, the ESPN, like the bar where you can click the different things, there are one, two, three, four, five, six like quick links yes. that you can press for different sports. And then there's like a menu button that pulls down a menu that's got like, I don't know, like 20 different sports, you know. Uh, would you like to guess the six that they have as the quick links? In other words, these are the ones that people are clicking on the most. And, and keep in mind, this is in the middle of Major League Baseball season. The, the sports? Yeah, the sports that they have. Like NBA. NBA is one. Uh, NFL. NFL, yep. Hockey. Nope. Golf? Yep. How many more do I need? Three. Gosh, three more? Yeah. Is it college football? That's one. Yeah. And... Two more. Soccer? One more. Because I'm thinking worldwide leader sure. soccer, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And we're in the NHL playoffs right now. Right. And, yeah, the no NHL. So now you've got college oh, football. Uh, UFC? Nope. You've got college football, NBA, NFL, soccer, golf, and one more. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. College basketball. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. I'm surprised NHL's not on there. And I don't know if you know this. I don't know if we talked about it, but ESPN bought the rights for the UFC. Really? Like for It's a five-year deal. That's a big deal. So I don't know when this happens, when yeah. that transition takes over. And there's a lot of controversy. Like, will these Fox guys kind of come over to the ESPN broadcast? Does because that mean, these, these guys have run it for a long time. Does that mean no more pay-per-views? Like, we can watch the big fights on ESPN? Well, ESPN might run a pay-per-view program. See, that's the thing I don't... That's the reason I'll never be able to get into boxing or UFC. As long as the biggest fights are pay-per-view i'm not going to watch them i mean unless i know somebody that's having a big yeah thing, i have know. a buddy that rents them and i've gone over and watched them at his house yeah and i've done that every once in a while but but like i'm not going to really be able to get into it the nba finals are about ready to happen and i can watch every minute of every game so it's hard i it's kind of been for years it was kind of buried 
some of those extracurricular UFC things were buried on like Spike TV and some other channels, which on my remote is kind of far down on the list. I don't always make it that far. Right. And so like if I'm scrolling through ESPN is channel 23, Mm -hmm. I always hit ESPN before I hit the other ones. And once you hit murder, she wrote, you're stopping. Come on, Angela Lansbury. What are we talking about? Um, So anyway, that made me sad that major league baseball is not one of the, is according to ESPN, one of the six most important sports. I love baseball, and I I watched the Reds game last night against um, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, last night. Uh, I'm sorry, not last night. Two nights ago, uh, we're sitting there watching the Arizona uh, versus Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess who hit a three run bomb? Uh, Billy Hamilton. Chris Owings. Oh sure, yeah. Cousin Chris from Arizona. From Arizona. Three I run home run. I knew he was a soccer player. But, well, he's uh, betting like 180. Oh, really? But he Ugh. hit a three-run home run. Chris, he's got some power. It's Isn't that weird? That Chris a, Owings in Arizona. It's a little strange. It's a little strange. There's a set of Owingses that are in Georgia, and that's where he's from. And they're like a good baseball. Is that player. also Micah Owings? Is it the same family? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because I was talking to somebody. I don't remember who it was and when this was, but it was like I don't know maybe 10 years ago or something like that. And they were from Georgia. The guy was like a principal in Georgia or whatever, and somehow yeah. he knew them or something like that. Um, so anyway. Um, all right. So uh, the one baseball thing that I wanted to talk about, the other day the Tampa Bay Rays, for two games in a row, put in a closer to start the game to get through the top of the lineup, the first four batters, and then after that put in the starter to go the long haul. First take- three batters. Well, it depends. I think they he put him in the first. I think they put him in for the first four batters. So he pitched the first inning and then the first out of the second inning, just okay. to get the first four out of the way. And then the starter came in and took it from there. To Did he maybe finish the, the game? Seventh, maybe no, maybe like seventh or eighth inning, and then okay. they put in some relievers at the end. So uh, first of all, what do you think of that strategy? I love it. Yeah. I love it because that's like nobody's ever thought about this before. Yeah, and if you're not good, why are you not trying things like this, right? Like, if you st- like, why aren't the Reds doing this? That's right, right. Yeah, if you're a good team right now and you're leading your division, you're yeah. not going to screw around with the system. No reason to. Yeah. I would love to see nine relief pitchers. I don't – honestly – Come in. If, get, if you can get nine closers and mm-hmm. just pitch nine innings. And I think starters – I think, I think purchasing starters – I think it's more expensive anyway. Like, I think you pay more money to a good starter than you do to a good reliever. And, I mean, not a great reliever, but if you had a team just full of relief pitchers, right? And so, I don't know, how many pitchers are on a Major League Baseball staff? Do you know? I have no idea. All right. But here's the thing. If you had good relievers, like Andrew Miller is a great reliever who can pitch three innings at a time. There's a lot of great relievers that can do two or three innings. Yeah. It doesn't have to just be a closer where he gets yeah. three strike or uh-huh. you know, three outs. Yeah, I think it's a, a reliever is what we're talking about. So, yeah, I think you could probably get ten relievers. Think about it. Your starting pitchers, you've got at least five starting pitchers. Yeah. I mean, there's a five-man rotation, maybe a six-guy sitting on the bench in the relief category but could come out and start if someone got sick. So most teams – right now carry a roster of 12 to 13 pitchers, five starters and seven to eight relief pitchers. Yeah. So if you just had 13 relief pitchers that were situational, right? They wouldn't, none of them would necessarily have to pitch like every single day. You could just stagger them. If it was seven and seven, 
Uh-huh. Like every other day. I mean, you could in a rotation hit them all. Right. But you could give people time off, two or three days off at a time, and mm-hmm. come in and pitch. Two and then or three if days. one guy gets hurt, like if if you're the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw gets hurt, that's like a huge blow. Like, oh my gosh. It's a quarter of your starting right. pitching. Yeah. 25% of your starting mm-hmm. pitching is gone. But if all your relief pitchers are pretty good and one of them goes down, even if it's your best one, it's not nearly as much of a blow to you as a team as it is if a starter goes down. I love this. I don't well, this know. is exactly opposite of what they did 100 years ago. Yeah. Where, they, like, they have everybody pitchers. did a complete game. They have three pitchers. They pitch every third game, and they go nine innings no matter what. Right. Yeah. That's why, like, the Cy Young statistics are crazy. He's like, you know, like, 500 complete games or something no, like that. No, 500 complete games more than the next closest person. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it's even worse than that. Yeah. I mean, Satchel Page would pitch two complete games in a day because they play, like, an afternoon game, and right. then they travel and pitch a night game. So um, it's obviously way different, and why not just lean into it, specifically if you're a bad team? If you're the last team in your division, I mean, if you're the last team in the AL East, I don't know who that is right now, and you're like probably 20 games behind because those teams are so good, why are you not trying this? Just give it a shot. I feel like it would really mess up the other team too. Yeah. Because you just get in a groove, you get in a vision, you Um, see this guy. And you take your your relief pitchers, and it's super situational at this yeah. point. Yeah, and you're just going left, right, left, right. You know, like guy that's throwing junk, guy that's throwing heat. I, I, I just don't see. I honestly don't see the downside. Now, I mean, I suppose like an old school baseball guy would be like, no, there's something about a starting pitcher, and he gets into a rhythm, and you know, he's better in the you know better as he goes along. But I don't know. All I know is like during the playoffs, like when the games really, really matter, if the guy's not throwing well after this first inning, second inning, they'll yank him where they, where they won't do it. Well, in the regular season, it's season. such a long regular season. Well, I know. I'm just saying, like, why not just have that mentality throughout the entire year and not put too much of a, a strain on anybody? Like you said, if 14, I mean, you could carry 14. You'd have to downgrade what other kind of player. You'd have to be down on the field a little bit, but... If you carried 14 pitchers and you just relieved all of them, I think it's genius. And if you have a guy that's going pretty good and you feel like, ah, let's let it, we'll let it stretch for three innings, you know, all of a sudden you've given everybody else more relief, you know? I don't know. Do I you just, think the pitchers would like it? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe they would. I think it'd be pretty cool. Somebody should if you were do winning, it. If you were a winning team, mm-hmm. you would like it. Sure, because you would be on ES, ESPN would kill that. I mean, yeah. they would put it on Every single night. Right. Right? Yeah. And there's no rule that you can't do this. So why are you not doing this? Well, suppose- you'd think Billy Bean would have figured this out. Yeah, you would think so. It's why like, let's get our 14 this? best relievers that, you know, we could pay a fraction of what we pay the starters. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, right? Like ranking-wise. You know, and you can have a, ta- a team that has like three, like seven out of 10 starters you know, maybe like a nine, like a top, like a nine out of ten kind of a starter, and then some relievers. Like, wouldn't well, you rather just have a, 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 a an entire relief staff that's all like seven out of tens, rather than you know, I don't know if that's yeah. making sense. Well, I was but. just thinking, if you were, uh, if there's an expansion team in baseball, God forbid that ever happens ever again. God forbid. But if there was an expansion team. And you start making your roster from scratch. Yeah. And there's protected players, non-protected, so you can pull from other teams. Mm-hmm. If you're a team and you're going to protect your players, you're protecting your first baseman, your third baseman, maybe your yeah. center fielder, a shortstop, catcher. Like these are critical positions. Mm-hmm. You would think that there would be a huge open right. 
pool like, of relievers. Yeah, don't don't necessarily get the closers. Just get the best relief pitcher. Because right. every team has one guy, like even the Reds, you know, have a guy that has a guy that when he goes in, you're like, okay, he's going to settle this down. Listen, he's got two or three innings. He's yeah. going to come in. Uh-huh. It'll be fine. Okay, good. Now we got this guy, and he can settle it down. Let's get it to the closer or whatever. Every team has that guy. He's not super valuable. Yeah. I you don't dra- know. That's what I'm saying. An expansion team could go ahead and pull 14 of these guys mm-hmm. from 14 different major league teams yeah. that are unprotected. Yeah. Right? And run your entire minor league system like this, too. Like yes. the whole like this is what we do. This is what we do. Honestly, I, I'm I'm just thinking about it. I, I'd be curious. Our baseball fans, Joe, Brandon, Adam, and the male nurse. I know Luke's kind of a baseball fan, not too much. I, I'd be interested uh, in in some of our. I'm our, sure there's something that we're not thinking about where it's like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe there's oh, not. Oh, well, listen, listen, listen. This is perfect. I'm listening. All I'm doing is listening. We're the listen, only two people in the room. things are firing off my brain. I have to say that. <laughs> I notice every time I go back and listen to the show, which contrary to prior belief, I do occasionally Okay. go back and listen to it. Sure. I use the word listen, I think, more than any other word. It's, okay, listen. Right. Listen. I'm listen, listening. Listen. <laughs> listen. 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 This would be perfect for the National League. Every time the pitcher gets up... You put in a a a, D, uh, a pinch hitter, a pinch yeah, hitter. Yeah, I mean, and then when the other team comes back on, yeah. Now all of a sudden, so now you have mm-hmm. that extra bat in the lineup too. Honestly, why is this not happening? I don't know. It, for a National League team, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it does. It makes way more sense. It would make sense at the American League, mm-hmm. but it makes all sorts of sense in the National League. And in the playoffs, they kind of play like this anyway. I mean, there's always that game seven. It, it always happens. It's the game seven. It's like they're going to throw everything against the wall today. You know, like the starters might go for you know two innings or whatever. It's like why are you just not doing this all year? It's not. It doesn't have to be exhausting. It, in fact, I think it could be less exhausting for your team. I think over the long haul, everybody would be a little less tired. Well, a lot of these starters, like Homer Bailey, yeah, not a great starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When he came up through the system, I'm sure that at one point he was a reliever. And there has to be like a mental thing of like, all I got to do is get three guys out. They're not, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just can throw all of my stuff at these three guys yeah. right now. And that's all I got to do. I think your arm would rec- recover quicker too. Yeah. Because you're throwing 20 times a game. Tim Kirkchin. 30 times. Call into the show. Tell us why this wouldn't work. I'm currently reading a Tim Kirkchin book given to me by Adam the Male Nurse. It's Little Baseball Stories. It's a great toilet book. Okay. But um, anyway, it's, uh, it's really good. So, Tim, I'm a big fan. Big fan. Call into the show. Tell us why this wouldn't work. Because I'm convinced that it would. I know it would. This is like the forward pass in the NFL football. Like, at some point. Or it's like, maybe it's like the, the corner three in the NBA. Where now they've realized this is the most valuable shot. We didn't used to know this, but now we know this is the most valuable shot on the basketball court. And so now our whole offense is geared around getting open corner threes. I think it's closer to the forward pass. Yeah. Where it's like nobody's ever done this. Yeah. And this is something that could change baseball as we know it. Yeah, it would. I mean, it would really mess up with the statistics because it's like who gets the win wouldn't matter at all. But it matters less than it ever did before anyway. But, uh, but like the win... For would, Hall of Fame numbers, it would destroy. Yeah, it would, mess, it would really would mess ever, up the Hall of Fame because how would you know? Like, right. Yeah. And so. you know why? I'm just thinking another reason why the pitchers would hate it 
is because when it time when it comes time to sign another contract, it would totally devalue them. It would devalue them altogether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if you're winning World Series, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're making the playoffs and your team, yeah. Cincinnati, you know, a small market, yeah, any of those small market teams, yeah. Why why wouldn't you do this? Yeah, yeah, I I I completely agree. All right, I'm glad we uh, we we settled that. We figured that out. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's do our dad vice of the week. And by the way, uh, Joe, not Joe, that's his brother, Davy C. Uh, texted me the other day and said he might have a dad vice theme Ooh. that he's working on. So okay. I don't know what that entails. He asked, um, no, he asked what uh, what the uh, genre of music the poop cast uh, yes. should uh, should I be. think you suggested reggae. Yeah, to me it's a slam dunk. It's to reggae. me it's bluegrass. Okay, I mean it's a little southern. You know, yeah. Chuck Smelter. <laughs> Tad Klingle. All right. Um, dad advice of the week, Jason. What, what are we going to talk about? I found myself doing this last night. Okay. I'm at my son's baseball game. Mm-hmm. We were actually um, double booked. Both my boys had a game at 7 o'clock. Um, so I chose the younger son because the older son, he'll be fine. Sure. So I'm watching Gideon play. And there was a point where the catcher had the ball. Gideon's standing on third base. The catcher throws the ball back to the pitcher. Mm-hmm. The pitcher, it goes past him, not by a lot, but by a little bit. Mm-hmm. He has to bend over, pick it up, whatever. And I yell, get home mm-hmm. as loud as I can. Yeah. He did. Now, his base coach isn't sending them. Yeah. His base coach is standing on third with yeah, him. Sure. Talking to him. But they were talking. They weren't looking at the ball. Mm-hmm. They were discussing what's going to happen. And I noticed I've been doing this recently. Wait, where did Gideon do it? He did, did not. Oh, okay. And it would have been a close play, but I think he could have scored. But I, I've noticed I've, I've been yelling things mm. that might be contrary to what the coach is telling him to right. do. Yeah. So my dad vice question, I guess, is, is it acceptable to coach from the sideline and to what degree? How much can you? Right. Maybe little snippets here and there. Like between innings, he comes over and you say, hey, listen, maybe try this. It's situational. Okay. So uh, I ran into this with Levi's first competitive soccer team. Now, he had played for the Y and stuff like that. But he, the first time he played on an actual kind of club competitive type team, um, I, I realized halfway through the game, I was the one dad that was standing on the edge of the fence. I wasn't sitting in the stands, and I was just <laughs> yelling at Levi the whole game. And at one point, I think the coach like turned around and looked at me because I'm 100% sure that I wasn't giving good advice. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it hit me like, when did you become that dad? And, yeah. I, and then at that point... I turned around, walked up into the stand, sat down, and I haven't yelled since. I mean, I'll cheer like if they score a goal or right, something, right. get up, yeah, something like that. But never, never anymore do I do I yell advice um, uh, during Levi's games because I realized like I don't want to be this. I don't want to do that. So I would say you err on the side of not. E- of not giving advice, but I think depending on the situation, depending on the kid, depending on the team, depending on the coach, the relationship you have with the coach, a little bit is okay. I find myself doing it a lot. I'm sure you do. I really don't want to. But you just can't help yourself. I can't help myself. Because you know, you know what's going on. 
I know exactly what's going on. And last night I did something else that I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Um, the fire was bubbling up on the inside. Oh, no. <clears throat> it was a close game. The other team actually went up early, 9-1. to one. Okay. Then their pitching struggled. Yeah. We had a couple hits, but they kept on walking people. Yeah. Walk, walk, walk. They switched out three different pitchers. At one point, <clears throat> there was a ball, and it was outside. I'm sitting really close to the hitter. Yeah. I'm fairly close. Yeah. And the ball, the pitch was outside. And you could see him kind of lean over, and the catcher reached out. It was obviously outside. The coach on the other team threw his hands up in the air and said something along the lines of, um, are you kidding me? How far did that miss? Yeah. You know, like just throwing a fit. And, I mean, I just started getting mad because the umpire was like an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. It's his first year umpiring. Obviously. He's intimidated. This coach on the other team is being a complete yeah. um, not a good person. Sure. <laughs> Dad-friendly podcast. And uh, so from my seat, I yell. Oh, no. I yell. Hey, I bet you, I bet you got a really good angle over there, huh? <laughs> and he's looking right at me. Yeah. And he goes, um, he, he yelled something back, and he goes, what, you got a better angle over there? I'm like, it's pretty good. He yeah. goes, maybe you ought to get there and ump. Yeah. You know? Well, okay, so this so, is the opposing coach. The opposing coach. What's the team? I'm just curious. Elgin. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and um, so me and the other coach are yelling at each other. You're getting into it. Everybody else is quiet, yeah. like dead quiet, and him mm. and I are yelling at each other. Yeah. I look over after – after it settled down, yeah, I look over at the parents on our own team. They're yeah. all smiling real big. Yeah, they like it. They like yeah. it. And uh, a pitch or two goes by, and I turn to them. I'm like, "Guy, I'm sorry. I can't help it. Yeah. And they're all laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, I should probably just go apologize after the game. And like, no, he was out of line. He yeah. needed that. Yeah. And then I felt justified. So you didn't apologize? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the truth was I walked as slow as I could to the car. Mm-hmm. hoping that like I would run into him in the parking lot. Sure. I didn't. Okay. Had I run into him in the parking lot, I would have went over and said, hey, listen. Well, yeah. And being an Elgin guy, there's a good chance you'd, you'd like... I might know him. Yeah, you might know him. I mean, from where I was sitting, I, c- I couldn't tell who he was. But, right. Um, we went to school there, graduated there. Well, last year, Abby's team was playing, and we are playing the Elgin team, and uh, their team got so mad at our team, they walked off the field in the middle of the game. Ouch. Quit the game. No, that's not right. It wasn't right. And everybody knew it wasn't right. So, Well, here's the um, thing. Like, honestly, you're arguing balls and strikes I know. in a Little League baseball game. Yeah. From the dugout, yeah. you're arguing balls and strikes. To this 17, 18-year-old kid. To this high school kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. What are you doing? I know. Rethink what is, your life. What has, what has happened in there, your life? Here's the, here's the solid dad advice of the week. Chill out when it comes to your kids' sports. You know, yeah, just, no, absolutely. Just relax. Yeah. Err on the side of this is fun. You know, we'll see. So for YMCA soccer, mm-hmm. this drives me crazy. I'm not a soccer guy. Yeah. But I understand some basic principles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, in, in the little, little kid soccer, everybody chases the ball. Yeah. And there's a big mob of kids running around. Sure. Well, there's been a couple instances where I see a kid kind of hanging out, you know, off to the side. Yeah. He's actually in decent position. If the yeah. ball kind of wiggles its way out, he's sure. in great position. Yeah. And I hear parents yelling, get in there and get it. Yeah. Like, right. really? Because yeah. there's like 12 kids yeah. 
like they're doing a group hug. Yeah, I know. Around the soccer ball, it's hard. to You watch. guys need to spread out. Spread out. It's Get all some about spacing. I give all the kids quadrants, and you stay in this area when I do soccer. Um, do you think I've thought that they should paint a middle line for YMCA soccer for kids yeah. that are five, six, seven, eight years old? Yeah. Paint a middle red line. Mm-hmm. Like that this red from, line doesn't mean it's inbounds, out of bounds. Goes from goal to goal, straight down the middle of the field. Straight down the middle of the field. And yeah. you got A, B, C, and D. Yeah. And you tell the kids, you three kids are A. You three mm-hmm. kids are B. You three kids are C. You three kids are D. Mm-hmm. Stay in your area. Right. You cannot come into another area. Right. It would create spacing. Mm-hmm. They would have to pass it between the quadrants. I think it's a good idea. For for. Just developmental teaching purposes. Yeah, and then as they advance further, then they can run around a lot more. And but then yeah. they'll always have that concept. Of but they I understand need to be the spacing. Right. They won't. Yeah. Hey, I totally agree with it. Well, so the dad advice of the week is just chill out, just relax. It's supposed to be fun. My daughter's coach, he's like uh, Tom Hanks from uh, what's that movie? A League of Their Own. Uh, a League of Their Own. He's like Tom Hanks from A League of Their Own before he learned all the life lessons. Like <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of the movie when he's just kind of like, you know, he's just always kind of like, ah, you know, I was going to upset, you know. He he doesn't allow our girls to chatter. There's no hey, batter, batter. Really? They all have to be wearing red socks, red belt, shirt tucked in. I mean, everything has to be exactly uniform. You know, yeah. we were playing another team the other day and I kept on saying this stuff and Erica kept on telling me to be quiet. And, and, uh, and I was like, I can't believe this other team's letting their girls wear colorful socks. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like they want to have fun out here. That's crazy. You know, and they're chatting doing all this stuff. So, all right. So relax. That's the dad advice of the week. When your kids are playing sports, all that you're going to want to take it serious. You're going to want to take it too far. Resist the urge. The point is to have fun. And when they get older, they'll get more involved and they'll get better coaching and then they can take it from there, right? Yes. All right. So uh, we, we want to do four quick Mount Rushmores today is what we want to do. Um, and then we will end with our Netflix suggestion of the week. How's that okay. sound? That sounds good. Okay. So our four quick Mount Rushmores are decades of the NBA, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. And um, each... Like, like you can't have one player that's on two Mount Rushmores. We're going to have to decide which decade a player. Like Michael Jordan probably could be in the 80s and the 90s. Yes, he absolutely could, but he only belongs at, we're going to put him in the 90s because that's when he won his championships and all that stuff. So, um, so there could be some disparity. There are some players that don't exactly fit perfectly in one, uh, like Tim Duncan is kind of like spilling over into a couple, you know, mostly I feel like Charles Barkley spills over too. Charles Barkley would. He's but, a strong eighties contender. Yeah. But he's also a strong nineties contender. Well, this is what we're going to talk about. Okay. okay. So you just want to start with the eighties and then move up and then we'll pit them against each other. That's fine. Okay. So in, I got to grab my pen. I dropped it. Okay. You know what? Um, I, you struggled less to bid down to pick up that pen than you did before keto. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've have you okay? Listen, yes. Have you clipped your toenails? It's exactly what I was going to say. I find myself clipping my toenails <laughs> way more often than I ever did before. <laughs> it was always. Have you watched the Kevin James stand up on no, Netflix? He has no. this whole thing about fat people clicking their toenails. Like he's like, it's like uh, going underwater. You know, like like holding <laughs> <we're> like. <gasps> 
<laughs> how many you can get before you have to come up for air? It's pretty funny to listen to him talk about. Now I'm just like, hey, that toenail is just a little long. I'm going to go clip it just because I can. You know, Just because I can touch my toes. Honestly, I look at – and listen, if you're overweight and you're out there, I'm, I, I'm not trying to criticize you. Because, no. listen, I'm, I'm overweight. You know? Yeah. Um, but being yes. – Yes. Okay, that's enough. But being an overweight person myself, sometimes I look at people that are considerably bigger than I am. That have shoes on that that are tied, and I think <laughs> <laughs> there's no way, right? Yeah, like there's no way you tied those shoes. You, somebody else tied those shoes for you, or they're just so big they just slip them on. They always stay tied. No, because I look and like when they're like as tight as these shoes are, like you can't slip these on. That's they're, true. You know, I see people considerably bigger than me with shoes that are tied that tight, and I think, how in the world did you do that? Because I know what it's like for me. Well, I mean, yeah. Listen, and surely those people have someone clip their toenails. Absolutely. They have to, right? right. And they have to take a shower mm-hmm. unless you have a ginormous bathtub. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm sure we're offending some of our listeners right now, but I say this to say this. Mm-hmm. Keto is the way to go, dude. Yeah. yeah. You could drop, I have a buddy, dropped 130 pounds yeah. in five months. You can yeah. do it. And, and, and nobody's saying you got to be, you know, some physical fitness nut. You know, just, no. just get a I little I think the healthier. goal is be able to clip your toenails. Yeah. Well, fitness is all about goals. Like Kevin James says in his original stand-up, which is genius, he said fitness is all about goals. Like he said, my goal, for instance, is to not jiggle when I brush my teeth. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I can't say that that's true for me right now. <laughs> I guess it depends how vigorously you (laughs) brush your teeth. I mean, I can brush my teeth really slow and there's no jiggle. Yeah. Mine jiggle even when I have an electric toothbrush. (laughs) (laughs) It's more like a ripple. (laughs) All right. No, I'm feeling great. I mean, we're all in on the keto thing. Absolutely. Try and stop me. People have, and they won't. Yesterday, my son brought home cupcakes from school. Was it a temptation? They looked really good. I yeah. actually didn't want one, uh-huh. but before I would have eaten three of them. Yeah, just because. Just because. I've had one moment of temptation where I almost gave in, and and but I didn't. My only moment of like serious temptation was uh, we went for a bike ride as a family. You know, we went for a bike ride for like 30, 40 minutes just yeah. around and stuff. And then we ended at a dairy bar mm. and got the kids some ice cream and stuff. And they're eating this ice cream. And at that moment, that was like... That looks really, really good to me right now. Yeah, it's hot um, outside. It was, it was warm outside, and we just got bike riding, and it was just—it was like everything was perfect, you know. But I think the point is that once you get to where you want to be, right, then if you do something like that once every two or three weeks or something like that, it's not a big deal to have a little. Well, it's a slippery slope for some people. I know for some people it is, and, but you, once you get to that point, you know, it would be um, safe to do a thing. Yeah, like once a month or something like that. Well, my thought was like when I go to um, Cedar Point, which is America's best amusement park. Yeah, I really want to get a funnel cake. Yeah, I want one really, really bad. Yeah, if I get a funnel cake and I eat it, it's going to kick me out of ketosis. Yeah, it's going to be impossible. You know, week long process to get back into it. For, for me, so is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't know. For me, I'm giving myself, a, I haven't set it up yet, but a goal and a reward food-wise. 
Okay. So like you're going to break you're going to break it? Once I hit a goal, like one as a celebratory like take the kids for a bike ride and go get an ice cream myself. And just like an ice cream cone, like a small not like the biggest flurry thing they have, just like a little ice cream cone, uh, which is all I wanted when we were out there. It was just a little ice cream cone. I feel um, like they like can once make I get sh- below 200 pounds, like yeah. celebratory, let's go on a bike ride, let's go get an ice cream cone, and then set another goal like 180 pounds, and I'll let myself do it again. I honestly cannot wait until keto takes off because the dairy bar should have keto-friendly options. Yeah. You could have heavy whipped cream. Yeah, you could. That's frozen, mm-hmm. no sugar added. Mm-hmm. I think restaurants are going to pick it up because this diet's too much fun. It's too easy. And it wouldn't be difficult for them. And if there was a keto friendly, like if Wendy's came out with like a super keto friendly option. Well, they have the dollar menu. Uh They should have a keto menu. Yeah, they should. Well, the best is Jimmy John's. You get the unwitch at Jimmy John's. It's, it's awesome. It's really good. The other thing that should happen is grocery stores. Absolutely. Myers, Giant Eagle, any of that stuff. Make a keto aisle. Mm -hmm. Everything in this aisle yeah. And I don't care if it doubles up like there's ketchup in the other aisle and not this aisle. Or ketchup's bad examples. There's lots of sugar in it. Sure. But condiments, mm-hmm. you know, or, or – That I just know. Anything just on these shelves, it's keto-friendly. This is keto-friendly in yeah. here. It's like below two carbs or one carb a serving. Right, whatever like it is. Yeah. Now, the aisle would be pretty small as sure. of right now because but I would everything in the store is awful for you. That's, it's crazy. I'm looking at – I'm looking at nutritional facts all the time, like, geez, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah. And, and just thinking about what I used to eat is crazy. Like, how yes. many carbs I was consuming. <laughs> Nuts. So many, so many. But I feel great. We've been over this before. I'm, in about, I'm about ready to go to the Y after we record this. And I just, even yesterday when I went to the Y, I wasn't like, it was great. I felt awesome, like working out. Like, it felt really, I could have gone longer. The only reason I didn't was because my day had to get going. Yeah, I, I would have I would have been on the elliptical another twenty or thirty minutes if I could have. Yeah, time wise. All right, Mount Rushmore, NBA basketball players by decade, starting in the eighties. Just like always, there are going to be some slam dunks. So Magic Bird are the two slam dunks, right? Without a doubt. All right. Do you want to do the slam dunks of every decade and then come back and fill them in? No, let's just. I, I don't want to get confused. Okay, let's just do. All right, so now I'm going to throw out some um, some other '80s all stars, and then you, you you tell me what you think. Okay, you ready? Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I feel like he does not belong in this decade. He belongs in the '70s. Yeah, he was. I think I he read played, somewhere he was 41 years old. Yeah, and was still like a major contributor on those Lakers. Where his teams. last year was 1989, so he played. Wow. So he played the whole decade. He played the whole decade and won multiple championships and was great. I mean, the skyhook was unstoppable. So, but he's a 70s guy, right? Uh, well, yeah, primarily, yeah, he was a 70s guy. I think he played. I think he played at UCLA in the late 60s, but uh, yeah, 70s was his era. All right, so um, Kevin McHale. I like him, but I feel like we already have Larry Bird, which, uh, you know, a white guy from Boston. Okay. Dr. J. I like Dr. J. Okay. Um, the, he, in the 80s, though, by 85 or 86, he was mm-hmm. done. But in those early years. The early 80s, 80, 81, 82, 83, I think he he's was really, early, really good. I think he's an early favorite. Um, I, I'm thinking, what about Dominique Wilkins? I, I think he definitely is in the discussion. Um, I know it's, he's kind of one of those 80, 90s crossovers. 
to me, he's like the Russell Westbrook of the 80s. Like, he never won a championship. He scored a ton of points. He was super talented. He took a team that wasn't very good, probably further maybe than, than he should have or, or whatever. Um, and he was, he was just a crazy athletic talent, but not quite the all-rounded, completely rounded basketball player that was going to make his team better. Um, so, but maybe he belongs on the list. I don't know. Um, this is where you get into the... Do, well, do we want to talk about Barkley in the 80s or the 90s? I think when I think of Barkley, I, th- I think the reason I think of him as a 90s guy is because he was, um, he's the perfect example of a crossover. He's really both, but because he was on the dream team. So like I'm thinking dream team and so I think 94, 92. It was 92, I think. Yeah, you know, so... But, but, but he was on the Dream Team in 92 because he was really good in the had, 80s. I, I think in, in 1987, yeah. he averaged 28 points a game and led the league in rebounds. That's yeah. pretty good. I think he's probably an 80s guy. He was far more athletic in the 80s. Well, that's, that's for sure. He was still pretty good in the 90s. I mean, I, I forget who I heard, but somebody said that Barkley was the best guy on the Dream Team. Like, during... Not, not all Are time... You, oh. No, what, no, no. What I'm saying like during is during that time period. But during that like time that, period, because yeah. Jordan had not won an NBA, or he had just won one, I think, NBA championship. It was, it was right there somewhere. Yeah. So it's like Jordan wasn't quite. I mean, Jordan was the greatest player on the planet. But what they're saying is like during that two or three week span, Barkley was the best guy. Okay. He's that good. I think he's underrated. I think some of his silliness as an older guy, yeah, has, and and just kind of kind of a you know he's. Bit overweight and now he's like, Chuck. Yeah. Um, all right, Moses Malone. Maybe Isaiah Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. So I think Isaiah Thomas definitely belongs. He's I the, think he's, he's almost guy. a slam dunk. All right, I'm going to put him on because I think he's our third guy. So Isaiah Thomas. So we got Magic Bird, Isaiah. So who gets the fourth spot? Robert Parrish, Charles Barkley, James Worthy, Dominique. Clyde Drexler, Dr. J. To me, it's in between Dr. J and Charles Barkley. Are we counting Elijah on for the 90s? I, yeah, because he won his championships in the 90s. So I give, him, I give him the 90s. Clyde Drexler? Clyde Drexler's he was great, but I don't think he's better than uh, Charles Barkley or Dr. J. So I feel like Dr. J is very iconic. So if we're doing Mount Rushmore, yeah, it, he might not be the best player of those available players. Yeah. Super iconic. I agree. Okay. Dr. J. So the 80s list is Magic Bird, Isaiah, Dr. J. That's pretty good. That's a very good list. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, 90s. Um, slam Dunks? Bill Beer. <laughs> Obviously. I Come mean, on. I'm already writing it down. Right. So Michael Jordan is the only... I guess, in my opinion, Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon are the two slam dunks. Well, Michael Jordan's a slam dunk for the NBA all-time right. Mount Rushmore. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, he's... So, yeah, that goes without saying. I we mean, he, he, he's free points. I mean, right. he, whatever's better than a slam dunk. So, we don't have to discuss that. But I think Hakeem Olajuwon, because he won the two championships, he was by far the best player on both of those teams. He, he had like a quadruple double once. Like yeah. He, he, no, he's... Yeah. Okay. Olajuwon, definitely. All right. So we got so the two slam dunks are Michael and Hakeem, basically the only two guys in the nineties that won championships. Um, and then um, 
Carl Malone, Scottie Pippen, John Stockton, David Robinson, Grant Hill, Reggie Miller, Sean Kemp, Rich, Mitch Richmond, Penny Hardaway, Alonzo, Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, Chris Webber. Those are your choices. Did as are, I was reading of those, did anyone like jump out like, oh yeah? Well, there's a couple. Are, are we allowed to put Stockton and Malone together? As and they person, share a spot? No, they can't. Because if you could, that that's. I get it. I mean, I guess we can because we can do whatever we want to do. But I would like to be able to put one of them on. Yeah. Um, I think Carl Malone was probably all around better. But I don't know that Carl would have ever been Carl without, without Stockton. Stockton. That's a tough one, man. And Those Stockton guys, might not have ever been Stockton without Carl Malone. Like that they pick were the and roll perf- was the perfect. We're going to give them uh, a joint. It'll be Stockton Malone for the third spot. So are we going to split the face right down the middle? Oh, so it's like, like half of Stockton's or face. Or is it a hybrid? Like if these two guys had a baby. <laughs> Those are always hideous. I think you split the face down the middle. We go Stockton okay. Malone gets the third spot. They're inseparable. You you can't you can't talk about one with the without the other and you really on a 90s list you can't leave them off. They were fantastic. Absolutely. Those Utah teams I always rooted for against Jordan. Always. Um where do we want to put Shaq? Shaq is 2000s because that's when uh he won his um his championships and all that stuff. I mean Shaq is 2000s. Okay. Um Tim Duncan in 2000s too? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um do we talk about Clyde Drexler? Um, well, we almost put him on the 80s team. So, I mean, Clyde Drexler's career. He was in the finals in 1990 and 1992 for Portland. Yeah. And then he won with Elijah in Houston in 95. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. His, he was drafted in 83. So he The played, majority of his career was. He played from 83 yeah. to 98. Now, he, yeah, he, he played on those Rockets teams, and he was still pretty. He's pretty good on those Rockets teams. Pretty good. What about Reggie Miller? I think he's. I think there's a strong case for Reggie Miller because those Indiana Pacers teams were pretty good. He was those fun. Pacers and Knicks games were incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Patrick Ewing. You could make a David Robinson. David Robinson. I'm more of a David Robinson guy than I am a Patrick Ewing guy. I think he was better. But this is a hard fourth one. Okay, to listen, pick. Dennis Robin. No, no. He won like eight championships in the I 90s. I know, but he doesn't belong on this list. I mean, he, he doesn't belong over Reggie Miller or, he, or, or David Robinson or... He won four NBA championships in the 90s. Okay, should we consider Scottie Pippen? No. He was pretty good. No. Not when all these other guys are floating out there. Okay. So what's, what's your... What's Gary your, Payton? Gary Payton... Should should have some consideration. You said, although, you said Sean Kemp, right? Yeah. See, that's another one where it's like those two guys together were great. Yeah. I, if it, if it were me, I, I'd put David Robinson on this team. I'm okay with that. Okay. So what's that list? All right. This is Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Stockton Malone, and David Robinson. That's good. I don't think it's as good as the 80s. I don't think it is as good as the 80s, but what are you going to do? All right, so uh, here we go. Um, oh, this is – now I got my good list. I didn't have my good list. I can't believe I lost it. So let me make sure there's nobody else in the 90s that I forgot. Uh, no, no. Okay, so you ready for the 2000s? 
So in this list, um, we had posted something on Lower Road Radio a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe 10, 14 days ago. Yeah. And it was the top 10 most valuable uh, players from the 2000 era, mm-hmm. 2000 to 2010. Yeah. Um, there was a little controversy over this one. Yeah, there was. And um, I think any of these 10 players could be on that list. Well, for me, in, on Go this, ahead and read the whole list um, in order. From that, from, that, uh, from that list that we had? Yeah. That was on Facebook? Yeah. You know what? I think I got it. Do you have it? Yeah. Let me pull it up here. So um, in this era, I probably watched the least amount of basketball. Okay. NBA, just because I was busy going to college, getting married, having kids. I just didn't have time. My life is... Oddly enough, allowed me more basketball watching now than ever before. Yeah. Um, but on this list is Kobe Bryant. This is in order according to this picture. Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, and Tracy McGrady. Right. So I think Kobe and Shaq are slam dunks. I think there's three slam dunks. Who's the third? Tim Duncan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. So for me, the three slam dunks of this era are Kobe, Shaq, and Duncan. I mean, I, I don't... Those are three I don't know how, you could, how yeah. you could argue that. Um, so now, I'll say this. I do not think LeBron James belongs... Not on this one. He no. belongs from 2010 to yes. right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um. um so, so now we're left with Garnett, Iverson, Wade, Nash, Davisky, and Tracy McGrady. Just to make Husky Luke happy, we could pick Dirk. I love Dirk. I have somebody that I want on this list that, that I think That's not on this list? Mm-mm, no, 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 no. They're, they're on the list that we're okay. talking about. To me, to me, it comes down to two players that I'm looking at. Okay, the, the one that I'm looking at is Iverson. Okay. That's one of the ones that I'm looking at. Um, I'm looking at Iverson and Nash. Nash won, uh, I think I have it here, multiple MVPs. Um, he kind of revolutionized um, basketball uh, as far as like the way he played is now like the way that everybody plays. Um, I think that was more of a system rather than because that whole Arizona team or the sure. Phoenix team was. It was a run and gun. I mean, it was. A yeah, but it was all based around Nash. I mean, Nash was, Nash was great. He was great. He was really great. But I'd take Iverson over Nash. As we're talking about it, I think you're right. I think Allen Iverson above Nash. So, and he, it'd be hard to leave him off of this list. Yes, Iverson's great. This is a pretty good one. That that might be better than the '80s. Kobe, Shaq, Duncan, Iverson. That's really really good. That's pretty good. It's better. It's I, better than the 90s. I anticipated it's better than the 90s. I anticipated all of these are great, obviously. I anticipated this list not being great, like maybe being the worst one. And now as I'm looking at it, I'm It thinking, might be the best it one. It might be the best one. Okay, so 2010. Now, obviously, to, this decade's not over yet. Right. So, like, over the next two years, like, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis might do things that make us say, yeah, they definitely belong on the list. But the truth is they probably belong in the 2020s list, like when that happens. Yeah. You know, so the 2010s list, the slam dunk is LeBron James. Yes. So LeBron's the slam dunk. Um, who else do you have? I feel like Kevin Durant 
I agree. Should be. I don't know if he's a slam dunk, but he's strong consideration. I think he, to me, he's a slam dunk. I, I think he's unlike any basketball player that's ever lived. What are your feelings on Dwayne Wade for this list? I think he deserves heavy consideration. Um, I mean, uh, Dwayne Wade, I, I don't know his, I can look up his statistics, but um, I, I, I don't know 2000, like before 2000. In like, this decade, he has two titles and four finals. Right. Um, That's pretty he, good. He, he, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I like I like Wade. So Dwayne Wade came into the league in 2003. And uh, obviously he's still playing today. Um, yeah, that's, that's tough because his first years were pretty good because uh, they won an NBA championship in 2005, 2006 was when Miami won that championship. Right. And then he was great. I mean, he was really great from 2003 to 2010. I mean, his points per game. But from here, we're talking about 2010 to today. I know. I'm just saying, like, I think he belongs in the early decade. I got you. More than the later decade. His points per game um, are considerably higher, like – Rookie year, 16, but then after that, 24, 27, 27, 24, 30, 26, 25. And then then this this decade, 22, 21, 19, 21, 19, 18, 11, 12. You know, like he was considerably better in that earlier decade than he was in the later decade. And I I mean, I love Dwayne Wade. He's he's awesome. But I I don't think... Yeah, that's fine. Leave him off. Okay. Um, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, first guy in fifty years to have a triple double, and he did it twice, sure, average in a season. Sure, yeah. Statistically speaking, uh, he's he's pretty great, but I, I would just have a hard time putting him above a couple other people. Okay, I I think he's serious heavy consideration. Yeah, I mean, he is very very good. He has doesn't have any titles, and that hurts him in this category. But um, Barkley didn't have a title, right? So, I mean, it's, it's, this is not just title-driven. Mm-hmm. If it was title-driven, then Kareem would have made it. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I think another guy that, like, you don't think about because he's been so bad these last few years, but at least should be mentioned, is Dwight Howard. No, no. I'm just saying he should be mentioned because those earlier years, he was pretty good. But I guess, yeah, he's, he kind of spans both. He was really, really good there for a while. Really, really good. He does not belong in this list. Russell Westbrook belongs on the list 10 times out of 10 over Dwight Howard. What about Carmelo? Okay. Um, I think he's worth talking about. I wouldn't put him on this team. I think Chris Paul is worth talking about. So if if this is specifically NBA versus world basketball because Carmelo has meant a lot to the world basketball team. Yeah, but I don't think – this is just NBA. I don't think we should factor in world basketball stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean – Curry? Listen, four finals back-to-back-to-back. Four finals, MVP. uh, I think as much as I can't stand Stephen Curry, he's the one person we haven't mentioned, and I think he belongs on this list. I think he does. For the last – for the last four, for the last five years, he's been great. And Very great. He's it doesn't look to slow down over the next two years. Yeah. So I think we put Stephen Curry on this list as much as I hate it. All right. So Stephen Curry. So we've got LeBron, Durant, and Stephen Curry. So three guys in the finals right now. Right now. So the fourth is Kyle, Kyle Corver. So the last four right. years. All right. Um, all right. So here are here are some um, 
options, okay, for our, our fourth guy. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Dirk, although he's a little bit younger. I, th- I, think, I think that's pretty much it. Do you, do you have any other ones? Nobody that's really come Kawhi. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't put Kawhi. I mean, I think he's great, but I mean, I wouldn't put him over Chris Paul. Derrick Rose had a couple really good years and then just plagued with injury. Yeah, Derrick Rose would be on the list, but, but for injuries. Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Kyrie's worth talking about. But I still don't think I'd put him over Chris Paul. Well, I, I still have, of all the people we've mentioned, Westbrook. You like Westbrook. I, I like Chris Paul better than Westbrook. I think, I think he can do more things than Westbrook. Westbrook has done so much more than Chris Paul has. Chris Paul is an elite defender, like absolute elite defender. He runs the team. He makes everybody around him better. I mean, Russell Westbrook is a better athlete. He can score at will more than Chris Paul can, but Chris Paul can do more things on a basketball court than Russell Westbrook can do, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. We're also talking about iconic status. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, when those three guys were together, Harden, Durant, and Westbrook in Oklahoma City, Yeah. I mean, that had the makings of a dream team written all over it. You're a Westbrook and guy. I am a Westbrook yeah, guy. I know, and I'm not. And listen, though. What happened? Listen. 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 I'm listening. What happened when Durant left Oklahoma City? I'm sorry, prior to that, mm-hmm. when Durant and Westbrook were both, like, edging their, their final contract years, Yeah. everybody thought Westbrook would go to L.A. Mm-hmm. He played at UCLA in college. You know, he's going to bolt. Durant had some connections to... You know, I played college in Texas and, right. you know, it wasn't that far from Oklahoma City. And, he, and, and Durant had a restaurant like right across the stadium, uh, right across the street from the stadium. Everybody thought Westbrook would bolt. Durant yeah. would stay. Yeah. And Durant was a local hero. Right. Durant left for the super team. Mm-hmm. And Westbrook's legendary status increased tenfold the yeah. moment Durant left. I'm talking from an Oklahoma City fan perspective. Yeah. Um, that might not mean anything else to anybody else in the country, but Oklahoma does not have any professional sports other than that. Yeah. And that's a big, big deal. Yeah. There's not a lot of NBA teams out in the Midwest. like Kansas City, not Midwest Ohio, but like mm. Oklahoma, Kansas, um, Nebraska, all those teams. Oklahoma City represents a large portion of the country. Yeah. So I think we're down to it. I think I want Chris Paul and you want Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, I would fight you over this one. You would? Yeah. Chris Paul, although had good years with the Clippers and he had a good year this year with Houston, neither Westbrook or Paul have titles. But Westbrook just did something that nobody's done in 50 years and he did it twice. Yeah. That's very iconic. He's going to go down in history as one of the very few players who has averaged a triple-double, not just one time, but twice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You can say he might not be the better teammate, and if you're building a team from scratch, you'd rather build around Chris Paul than Westbrook. I get that. Yeah. And if you want to make the argument, that's fine. Yeah. But iconic status, this is going on the Mount Rushmore, I believe it's Westbrook. Uh, Okay. 
Um, they've. Do you want some uh, statistics, or do you not care about the statistics? I don't care, but the listeners might. I don't know. Okay. So, um, in the playoffs, when they've gone against each other, does that matter to you? Uh, Westbrook has averaged 27 points, and Chris Paul has averaged 22. Paul's got him on assists and steals and not rebounds. I mean, they are pretty close. Statistically, Statistically they're pretty close. When they're playing each other, I'm looking at their – they played 30 games against each other in the uh, regular season. Chris Paul has won 17. Russell Russell Westbrook has won 13. Yeah. Um, So they're pretty close. Well, the Houston team is better than Oklahoma City. So, like, this year, Houston probably won the majority of them. Yeah. Prior to this year, I bet the Oklahoma, excuse me, the Oklahoma City teams beat his L.A. teams. Okay, here's, here's, here's some pretty good stats. You ready? Um, uh, all-star games, Paul's nine, Westbrook's seven, although Paul's been in the league a couple seasons longer. Um, Chris Paul does not have an MVP. Russell Westbrook does. Chris Paul has uh, four all-NBA teams, first teams. Uh, Westbrook has two. Boy, all of these are really close. Oh, okay, so here we go. All-defensive first team, Chris Paul seven, Westbrook zero. That's not good. Scoring leader, Westbrook's done it twice. Paul's never done it. Assist leader, Paul's done it four times. Westbrook's done it once. Steals leader, Chris Paul's done it six times. Westbrook's never has never done it. Rookie of the year, Chris Paul won Westbrook didn't. Westbrook scores in his in his in his all time everything. Twenty three points a game. Paul eighteen points a game. Rebounds. Uh, Westbrook gets more assist. Chris Paul gets more steals. Chris Paul gets a lot more. Um, so I mean they're pretty close. But for me, for me, it's the the defensive aspect of Chris Paul because he is an absolute elite defender. I and mean, he's not just like oh one's a good defender and one's all right. Like Chris Paul is an absolute elite defender, and um, and Westbrook isn't. Although he could be, but he just isn't. So I would say prior to this year, mm-hmm. if you went back a year ago, you you're, you fell in love with Chris Paul watching him in the playoffs this year. Yeah, and now that I go back and look at, I just hadn't watched. I would have fallen in love with him before. I just wasn't watching him. We're talking iconic. He's going up on a mountain. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so prior to this year, yeah, you would have said Westbrook all day. I don't know. You're in love with Paul. I, I am in love with Paul. Chris, come on the show. You're awesome. I think he's great. He is great. Yeah, I'm not doubting his greatness. Just those defensive. I just think. I think defense should matter in this, and he's a great, great, like all-time great. He might be, he might be considered the greatest defensive point guard of all time. Are you crazy? Who's a better defensive point guard? Gary Payton. The glove. The glove is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's right there with him. All right, so you want to? You, you're not going to back down on a scale of. 10 being Westbrook and one being Paul. Yeah. I'm a 10. Like, I, I, I don't think Paul belongs on the list. He's, listen, if there's a fifth guy in the list, which there's not, <laughs> maybe. Right. But you just can't do it. I can't let him go. I think Westbrook has kind of gotten buried a little bit. Well, Last year, it was huge because he was going to average a triple-double. I and think if it was, was the all 90s over. or the 2000s, 
or the 80s, he would be bigger. But the new stats don't look favorably upon his game. Who else is doing what he's doing? Listen, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying nobody. I think one of the reasons nobody's done it in 50 years, buried, and he's done it twice. One of the reasons nobody's done getting, it in 50 years, he's done it twice. Nobody has done it in 50 years, listen, and he's done it twice. Listen, listen. It's like when Cabrera won the Triple Crown, but all of the advanced stats baseball guys were convinced that Mike Trout should have won the MVP. It's, it's like that. It's like everything that we've grown up with says that anybody that, that averages a triple-double for two years in a row is one of the greatest five players that's ever lived. Like, because that's impossible, right? But everything's different than it used to be. And Westbrook's kind of like chasing those stats. If it's different than it's ever used to be, then how come everybody's not doing it? No, no, no. What I'm saying is what we value is different than what we used to value. So we value those statistics. Maybe that's what's wrong with America. <laughs> Maybe you're right. All right. We're I, valuing things I now that we didn't Westbrook's, used to value back in the I, day. Because you're obviously not going to back down, I wrote Westbrook's name down. Okay, okay? good. Thank so you. Our, <laughs> this could have been a lot shorter. Although, for the record, I want Chris Paul. Uh, so this LeBron, Durant, Curry, Westbrook is this era. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, um, so which is the best? Okay, review them all really, really quickly, decade by decade. 80s, Magic, Bird, Isaiah, Dr. J. Very good. 90s, Jordan, Hakeem, Stockton Malone, and David Robinson. That's pretty good. <laughs> 2000s, Kobe, Shaq, Duncan, Iverson. That's really, really good. LeBron, uh, 2010s, LeBron, Durant, Curry, Westbrook. Now, let's just say they were playing four and four at a park. Well, one team has five, so they would win. <laughs> Well, Try guarding five players with only four. You can't do it. <laughs> Let's just try to separate that. All right. And just say, which one of these teams do you like the best if they're just going up against each other? Shaq, Kobe, Iverson. I just don't know how you could beat Shaq, Kobe, Duncan, Iverson. That's really, really good. But good luck guarding LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Stephen Curry. Like, I, I guess you could just go all day. because and Westbrook... If, have the ball at the top of the key, Curry and Durant mm -hmm. floating around, LeBron. Oh, and, and by the way, give Michael Jordan Hakeem Olajuwon and see how that works out. <laughs> Put Magic Bird and Isaiah. Although I don't know that Magic Bird and Isaiah would play well together the way they played, but they're yeah. iconic players. I think this is a pointless conversation, us deciding. These are all great. And I think that's part of the problem with all of these greatest discussions is because it's just impossible specifically in basketball, to compare eras. It's just really because the way that the game is officiated changes, oh. the way that the, the people are built, what they like the, the amount of time that somebody can put in changes. So The three-point line? Yeah, exactly, yeah. the three-point line. I mean, like yeah. as a kid, I used to think the three-point line always existed. Right. Not mm -hmm. realizing it wasn't that long before we were – Well, what I year was it? I don't know. I think it was after, definitely, you was it, were born. We, was I born in a two-point era? Born, yeah. Oh, my gosh. When did the three-point line... Uh, when did the NBA start using three-point line? Answers.com is about ready to tell us. 1979. Okay, so the same year I was born. The same year. So all you know is the three-point line. That's all I know. And it, just imagine if somebody had the forethought to be like, guys... 
this is way more important than do you think it is. <laughs> those first few, like the three-point shot, those first, like, I don't know, 10 years, it was like a novelty. It's like, whoa, he shot a three-pointer. Like, right. if you look at the guys leading the league in three-point shots, like back then, it's like, he, he shot, he made 17 three-pointers that year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, because they were just so stuck. If you could just get in a time machine and come back and be like, listen, just get three-point shooters and distribute the ball, and you will dominate everybody. Yeah. But it took a long time before people realized how valuable that shot was. So, um, all right. Um, so that was fun. Right into the show. Right into the show. Tell us what we got wrong. Tell me if you agreed with me or Jason in the Chris Paul versus Russell Westbrook debate. Russell if you, I Westbrook. was just going to say that. Could you say Russell Westbrook like four say. times in a row really, really I fast? I couldn't. It's very hard for me to say. And I had a problem with my R's when I was a kid. I had to go to speech therapy. Walkie. 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 <laughs> the hardest word to say, the last word, and still even today, I have to focus when I say, like, Russell Westbrook is a hard word for me to say. Yes. But the last word that girl. I learned how to say was girl. Yeah. I was a goal, goal. Goal. I would be in speech therapy class, and the pe- the teacher would be looking at me. It would just be me and him. And then it was another kid named Corey that was a, he stuttered. And so they would send us to speech therapy every day in third grade together, together with different problems, it was like speech therapy problem. And then he would spend twenty minutes with Corey, <laughs> and then twenty minutes with me. And I'd have to, and Corey, you know, had to listen to me like say goal, <laughs> goal, and I had to listen to Corey like stutter the whole time. And right. it had to be frustrating for both of us. Yes. But, uh, the, yeah, the, the guy would look at me and say, girl, and he'd try to get me to look at his lips. And I'm like, girl, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, eventually, I figured it out. But uh, girl was the hardest word for me to say. And I remember that I heard our grandpa yeah. use the word gal once. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. like, yeah, that gal over there. I'm like, there it is. That's my solution. I, I never have, have to, to say girl again. <laughs> I, I can say gal. And I remember I was in fifth grade. We were at recess, and I said, um, I said, oh, look at that gal over there. And all my friends looked at me, and I was just like, I got to learn how to say this word. <laughs> so I buckled down, and now I can say girl. But every once in a while, I'll make a mistake, and I'll still – because I still have to focus. Yeah. But Russell Westbrook, very hard for me it's to say. It's tough to say. Very hard. Um, okay, so uh, last but not least, Jason, what is your Netflix suggestion of the week? My Netflix suggestion of the week, uh, it may have been previously uh, used, but they have a second season. Okay. The Toys That Made Us. Oh, okay. Have you seen this? Um, I watched the Star Wars one. Okay. So the uh, they just released a, a brand new season. Um, I, I believe there are four episodes in the first and then there's four in the second okay so the first episode of season two is star trek toys and this is so funny to me you first of all you have to watch this documentary if you were born in the late 70s and sometime in the 80s mm-hmm. like these are fascinating documentaries yeah each one is about 45 minutes long and, and there's they go way over, more story behind these toys being oh, made than you realize yes and if yeah. you're a documentary guy even if you don't like toys or any of that stuff you will want to watch this They're it's very good. very good yeah. now it's not super family friendly they're yeah. interviewing people in a documentary setting yeah and so some people have some language it's um harsh uh but the star trek episode they are uh, very loose with the merchandising rights. Yeah. And they were just like Gene Roddenberry is making backdoor deals with everybody. Right. So everybody was slapping Star Trek stickers on anything. That's funny. And so there's all the sorts of these toys that were not – they didn't even relate to Star Trek. Uh-huh. But they had all these stickers, Star Trek stickers on them. 
It is it is a great one. And then we watched the one directly following it, Transformers. Yeah, that was a big toy. That was a huge toy. Now, was that a toy that then became a cartoon? Yes. Okay. And so what happened was um, the toy market in America had kind of dried up. Um, they were coming off of the, the G.I. Joes, uh-huh. you know, the full-size action dolls, action figures. Yeah. And um, the, the people at some of these toy companies went to Japan to see what was selling over there. Right. And Japan had created this whole line. First of all, Japan's weird. But, they, like, they just think so differently. Yeah. So there was this company in Japan that got licensed to do G.I. Joe in Japan. Mm-hmm. Well, listen... That's a critical thing. That's a sensitive subject. Sure. Because we bombed them. Right. And this is coming, you know, in the, the 50s and 60s. But they got the license right to do G.I. Joe. Yeah. It wasn't selling that good. So what they did was they took the G.I. Joe apart. And they made him the same looking figure, but he was translucent. Yeah. And they put, like, robot parts on the inside of him. Yeah. So he was like a cyborg robot G.I. Joe guy. Yeah. And that went really, really well. Yeah. Well, then it transitioned from this, like, robot man to just robots. Yeah. Which eventually evolved into robots that could change into other things. Mm-hmm. And so the Transformer line of, like, Bumblebee and Optimus Prime and all these people, they had different Japanese names that didn't translate in America. But they had all these characters already built. The whole toy f- line was done. Yeah. So the people in America, the toy company, took it back. Yeah. The same people that had G.I. Joe in the beginning. Yeah. So it's like this weird evolution of huh. this cycle. Yeah. It went to Japan as G.I. Joe. They changed it. It morphed. It came back around back to the United States. So now they have this toy line, but they don't really know what to do with. Yeah. And so they gave all this stuff to this writer and said, we need storylines. We need backstories. We need um, bios to all these different robots and they laid them all on the table. Yeah. And so like he individually wrote up a bio for every single one, like 32 different robots, like in a weekend, yeah. a three day weekend, wrote a description, did all that stuff. They made some comic book storyline, which ran into the TV show. And that's what the everything cartoon. is based upon. This guy sitting yeah. down with a pen and paper. Ah, oh, this guy's this, this is his thing. Yeah. And yeah. this guy completely just made up the whole thing. Yeah. With names and all that stuff. It's hmm. fascinating. Hmm. And the two things, I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you, Mount Rushmore of Transformers things. Okay. Okay. There are two slam dunks on this. Okay. 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 One is the voice of Optimus Prime. Sure. Right? Yeah. Come on now. What are we talking about? That's the best cartoon voice ever. Okay, now listen, listen. Right. That's Mount Rushmore <laughs> okay. for another day. All right, okay. That's I'm but not the second thing is it. the noise, the sound effect when the Transformers transform. Yeah. Pretty great. It's pretty great. It's great. Yeah, it brings me back to my childhood, and that's what this documentary does. Mm-hmm. Each one of these episodes, there's something where it's like, oh yeah, I had that. Yeah, there was a robot. Uh, I'm not a robot. There was a um, a toy that was very similar to Transformers. That someone tried to knock off, and they were rivals for a while. It was called GoBots. Sure. And there was a little red GoBot. And as I'm watching, I'm like, I had that. Oh yeah. I had that. Yeah. From like 1983. That's funny. Like I had, I remember I had that, but it was before Transformers took off. Yeah. And so I'm sure our parents like just bought us things that were cheap. Yeah, sure. It's all same. It's a car that will turn into a robot. And you liked it. I liked it. 
can I say I absolutely despise all of the Transformer movies? Like, I just really? think they're horrible. That first one, the first one was pretty good. I didn't like it, and I haven't liked any of the ones since. Really? I, I haven't watched the recent ones, I guess, but because I just, I don't like any, I just don't feel like there's a feel that Transformers has to me, like, because I watched the cartoon when I was a kid and I loved it, and they didn't at all capture the feel of what I feel like Transformers is. Well, so, it wasn't arcadey. It turned into a teen drama with yeah, Shia LaBeouf and, yeah, and that, Megan I Fox. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. I don't like that. I want, I want it to be more about the Transformers. I don't care about the person Listen, at all. I don't the, want people in it. I just wanted Transformers, but I don't want them to look so metallic. You know, I had that same thought, but I don't know how you change it. I don't know how you change it either, but it's hard for my brain to, to see it, and they don't look like, I don't know, they should be more colorful, I think, maybe. I, you I want more arcade, kid-friendly? Yeah, I don't know. I just want it to feel like an updated version of what I loved when I was a kid, and I just felt like they just took the idea and they just turned it into a brand new thing, and I, I never liked it. I feel like they're not marketing to five-year-olds. They're marketing to 35-year-olds who remember it as kids. I think, and I think that's what they should be doing, marketing it to me, and I don't like what they did, so they did a poor job if they were trying to market it to me. Because I loved the Transformers when I was a kid. I watched they were it. They great. It was a Saturday morning ritual. All right, my Netflix suggestion of the week can be found on Amazon Prime. It is a three-part PBS documentary on Jackie Robinson. It's uh, done just like the baseball documentary. And the Jackie Robinson portion in the Ken Burns baseball documentary is probably like, you know, maybe 30 minutes of it, maybe 20 minutes of it. Yeah. But it's like they took the whole Jackie Robinson story and stretched it out over three plus hours. Is it a Ken Burns documentary? It feels like it. I mean, okay. they actually use some of the footage from the Ken Burns interviews that people that are passed away now, like yeah. Buck O'Neill and Red Barber and other people, um, they, they use some of those interviews uh, for the documentary. It's, uh, I'm about, I just finished with the first episode. Uh, there's three, I think they're about an hour, maybe a little bit longer than an hour each. And uh, it's really, really good, and I've absolutely been loving it. So Jackie Robinson, Amazon Prime, three-part documentary it's really good okay that's a have show you, have you seen his the what? movie 42 yeah do you like it i liked it um they they didn't get everything quite right uh but i know like out in the male nurse friend of the show was not really happy with what now he's more of a baseball historian than i am um he he knew like all of the things that they got wrong about like the home run that jackie robinson hit and what he did here and what he did there they dramatized it and made yeah. it better but i really liked the movie it's the guy from black panther he's a really good actor um i i really liked the movie i haven't seen it i've owned it for really? a while you haven't yeah. watched it it's on voodoo i have it yeah I haven't watched it. Oh, my gosh. It's really good. Like, you should watch it. Yeah. I loved it. It was one of those things. I didn't know how family-friendly it was going to be. And I just have a hard time watching things. Like, I have to wait until 9, you 10 o'clock at night. You can watch it with your kids. I, okay. I watched it with my kids. I'm almost sure of it. Yeah. I just feel like there was a lot going on that... Um, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of racism. Obviously, yeah. that's what the movie's about. But right. I just um, don't know because I mean he's getting death threats and yeah he was yeah, yeah. so I mean I guess I just should, don't know if my kids sure, are ready watch for watch it without them and then decide but yeah. but you should watch it because it's really good yeah I liked it but okay. like I said I'm the male nurse not so much all right do you have anything else before nope. we wrap it up for the day no hey yeah not we I would say you and I are probably two of the most creative people we know sure there are times where we don't know what to talk about. <laughs> 
Every once in a while it happens. I mean, it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, but um, at least once a week when we record, we're like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And we just go. We just go. So if you have an idea for the show, I think you need to send us something. And people have. We've talked about many things that people have said. Hey, if you send us something and it's halfway a good idea, we're going to talk about it. Absolutely. So right into the show. If you have our phone numbers, <laughs> you can text us. <laughs> or Facebook. Facebook is a great Facebook option. Facebook is the best way. Just find us. We're, we're most, mostly active on Facebook. Husky Luke has still yet to uh, take us up on our offer to take over the Lower Road Radio Twitter. Well, I haven't given him any information. But once he does that, then our Twitter will be active. Super active. Uh, but for now, find us on Facebook. Just search Lower Road Radio. Yeah, I also think – I don't want to tell you what to do, yes, the listener. Do. Okay, I'm going to tell you what to do. Uh-huh. Share the show with somebody. Just share it. Just share it. Just share it. You don't have to share it on social media. Actually, word of mouth would be even better. Hey, hey, I listen to this podcast. I really like it, and you should try to listen to it too. Go to work. Find a sports guy. Mm -hmm. And the hook is like, hey, do you you listen to podcasts? Mm Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, you could say, listen, I, I have this podcast. It's great. I you listen to it all the time. Listen to it in, in, in the car when your kids are in the car. Right. If the answer is no, you should, you should really check this out. Yeah. Because it's really, really good. It's really good. Yeah. All right. There it is. Well, this is Dan signing off for Jason, reminding you to always keep your stick on the ice and never wear the blue sweats. If you don't understand, they hear what I say. You're I give you all of the love I got. I give you all, but it's not enough. I give you all of the love I got. I give it all. I give it all. Oh, 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 oh. tell me why it's never enough. Tell me why it's never enough. I give it all. Oh, 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 oh. tell me why it's never enough. Tell me why it's never enough. I should know.
Tyrant.